This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, December 28th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. I hope all of you had a wonderful Christmas holiday. Uh, I know I did. It was nice and relaxing. Uh, didn't see a whole lot of people besides my family, which, uh, you know, in this environment is a good thing. But, uh, you know, we're past that. And Soon we're going to approach the new year. In fact, we only have three more trading days left in 2020. And certainly 2020 has been a different year. And guess what? 2021 will be a different year than this one. And that's what you have to start looking forward to, right? 2020 is basically in the rearview mirror. And that's not how you invest. You don't invest in the rearview mirror. Just like you don't drive using the rear view mirror. You have to look in front of you. Look out the windshield. And that's what we are here to help you do. Help you make sense of all the moving parts that will go into the year 2021. From changes of administrations, changes in policy, changes in the economy, changes in technology, etc., So the new year will definitely have some hurdles and opportunities. And our job here is to help you get through this time and come out the other side in better shape, not just financially with your portfolio higher than it it did start the year, but to hopefully improve your knowledge, improve your decision-making, and thus improve your results forever, right? That's our goal here. And you have to learn how to analyze trends, analyze markets, analyze asset classes, and do it all in context to your financial goals. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and on this program today, I'm going to do my best to provide you with unbiased answers to your investment questions and finance questions, right? I know it's invest talk, but financial management is just as important as investment management. So I'm going to help you develop strategies on both sides of the ledger there. And I'm ready to take your calls right now at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now we're going to Touch on the market real quick. The S&P was up 32 points, a little less than 1%. But we actually, if you look at small caps, for example, that was actually down on the day. Right? Russell was down 7 points. If you look at the NASDAQ, that was up about 1%. But the, what was interesting was large caps across the board were up, so the indices were up. But if you go down to mid and small, You saw a pretty big divergence there today, which was interesting. A lot of the small to mid-cap growth side of the market, recent IPOs in a lot of ways, they were down pretty big today. right? If you go 
something I always like to, to check out. Morningstar has list of most actives, biggest gainers, biggest losers. You had Lemonade, recent IPO, right? The, the tech insurance platform. EXP World, uh, that was down 13%. Lemonade was down 14%. Uh, you're talking about Chewy, down 11%. So a lot of these smaller cap growth names, pretty big drop, right? Mid cap growth was down 1.36% today. It's a big, pretty big drop. So this is when I, what I speak to when I say you have to look at the market as a whole and understand kind of the fact that the indices are not the full market and the narrative in the market often trumps reality in people's minds. But reality is what's most important. And the reality is this was actually a modestly weak day, even though the indices were higher. So pretty interesting uh, dichotomy there in the markets today. Now, as you can hear, I have a lot of a lot to talk about, a lot on the docket for this show. So let's get right to our first caller at 888 chart Hey, it's Tyson Crawford from San Diego. Got a question about the Moderna stock, M-R-N-A, Moderna, with COVID coming up and everything. That stock has been performing quite well. I'm wondering how long do you think I have for that stock to perform good until maybe it either tops out or plateaus or maybe takes a dive in a few months after the COVID. I would like to hear your thoughts. I'll be listening to the show. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Uh, well, I think I spoke about this recently, and uh, the answer to your question it was, I'm not sure when you recorded that, but uh, it's not very long, right? Moderna was down 11 bucks today, uh, about 10%. Uh, 52-week high is around $178 or so. Now we're at $111, and that $178 was only on December 1st. So it's kind of buy the rumor, sell the news. That's what's been happening over the past few weeks on Moderna, sell the news. And one reason why I don't like it, while... The vaccine is going to have an outsized effect on their business, uh, unlike Pfizer, right, where they have a giant business and, you know, this is a, a minor part of, of that business. Uh, and obviously we have Johnson Johnson and other, other vaccines potentially down the pipeline. But the, the main point is that this is kind of a one-hit wonder right now. For years, Moderna lost money. Right? And they had to have a pandemic where their particular technology actually fit and you know they're going to make ten dollars a share expected next year on the back of the the vaccine and it's a eleven dollar stock or hundred eleven dollar stock excuse me so you have a low pe based on that but how sustainable is it right what's next and will they be the dominant vaccine, right? Will, what are the risks involved of uh, side effects? Well, you know, this was kind of rushed to market. So I, I think there's still a little bit up in the air of what type of side effects they'll have as it rolls out to not just thousands of people, but hundreds of thousands and millions of people. And so I think there's certainly risk there. So it's not a name that I would want to be invested in longer term because it's that one hit wonder. And then where do they pivot from here? Where do they take this money? Do they invest, make acquisitions, et cetera? Talking about a $44 billion company, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on Moderna at the moment, uh, especially with the technical starting to roll over. To me, it's a very clear buy the rumor, sell the news type of stock, and the news is now behind us. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and winter is here. 
And the new year will bring a lot of changes. So are you prepared to build a successful financial picture and financial freedom for your future? That goal never changes and it requires information and effective strategies. So if you want to reach out to myself or Steve, I encourage you to do so. Let's talk about whatever is on your mind. Your participation is an important part of the mix. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Now, my focus point today concerns the story that the COVID pandemic has caused one-fifth of Americans to lose confidence in their retirement future. So we're going to break down that story, why that is, and what you can do to kind of get back on track if maybe you feel like you aren't. Maybe you're part of that one in five. Now, there's also some other things to discuss. One, which... I think it's underappreciated about this recovery. You know, everyone focuses on the stimulus of money being spent out there in the economy, and that's certainly a big part of it. But what I think is underappreciated, underreported, underdiscussed is the fact that is, is the eviction moratorium, both on renters as well as homeowners, right? Why? Because guess what? If you don't have to pay your rent, thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month, or your mortgage, two, three, four thousand dollars a month, right? And you're not worried about having to pony that that up in the near term. What does that give you more money to do? Go buy a car, go spend on your current home, right? To make it more comfortable for a working home environment. Uh, maybe not to travel as much, but leech travel held up fairly well, considering. Uh, but certainly spending on that. So various aspects of the economy have certainly been helped by the fact that a lot of people don't have to pay that. So what's very important to the future of the economy in the short to medium term is when that moratorium is up, right? Both nationally and then on a state-by-state basis. So I'm going to cover a little bit about that and that's something I'm going to continue to watch for legislation that comes down the pipe. Because when that ends, I think that's going to be a much bigger story than people are discussing today. So we're going to touch on that. And then lastly, the Fed now, Fed now uh, system, instant payment system that they rolled out or they're, they're starting to roll out, right? They're working on. Uh, it's kind of, I think it's important. I think it's very important in the grand scheme of things when it comes to digital money, right? Talking about Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency space and how that's going to evolve. And I've said this before that the government is not going to sit idly by and 
ignore that, right? And allow private citizens to encroach on their ability to print and send money. And I think this is certainly going to be a big, big story once it is finally rolled out. So we're going to unpack that a little bit and what that might mean for the future. Now let's keep things moving and go straight back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from New York on 888.99 chart. Hi, my name's Duncan from New York. It's a pleasure to keep on asking questions. Your podcast is great. Just a quick question. I am looking to buy a rental property within the next three to four months. I am planning on using one of my investment portfolios. I have two investment portfolios. One mainly has Apple and Tesla, and the other one is just kind of playing around. It has like smaller stocks. It has like Zoom, DraftKings, uh, Moderna. Neo, Lululemon. I'm just wondering if I was going to use one of the, both equals about $40,000. I wanted to use one of them for a down payment. Which investment should I use for a down payment? Will Apple and Tesla continuously grow at an exponential rate and, or will my other investment portfolio grow? Thank you very much and have a good day. Bye. Well, uh, we just talked about Moderna a little bit, so I certainly I wouldn't say I'm going to take all from one or the other. Uh, I'm going to say I would not. I would be taking from Tesla. I think that one. I think Apple will definitely do much better than Tesla longer term. So I don't want to say I don't want to put those in the same bucket. Um, I rather hold Apple and sell Tesla. Um, I rather uh, I try to remember some of the other stocks you you listed off, but. Um, you know, you're very tech heavy. And so you need to reduce some of your more speculative tech positions, right? Apple, while it's tech, it's, it's not very speculative, right? They have a sound business that's producing massive amounts of cash flow and profit. Many of the other names in your portfolio that you listed off, as well as in the broader uh, tech space in general, are not, which means that they're speculative investments, right? Because they're not producing cash flows and earnings today. Even the, so, so the market is pricing in and speculating that they will in the future. And so reducing those names, I think, is important in this market because most of those uh, will not live up to the hype around their business. So shed the money losers and keep the ones that are producing profits today. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. So I want to hear from you. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. The start of a new year promises many changes. For investors, the challenge will be how to stay focused on maintaining your assets while navigating market volatility. That's where Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help. The phone lines are open and waiting for your questions now. 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. So I urge you to get your call in sooner than rather than later. We only have about thirty minutes left. Now my focus point today concerns the story that the COVID pandemic has caused about one fifth of Americans to lose some confidence in their retirement. Actually, twenty one percent, according to Transamerica Institute uh, in their recent survey, and so. A few things have impacted uh, this feeling. One is obviously job losses. 
right? Other is furloughs. So just going without work for an extended period of time, even though you got rehired, but that can be impactful, uh, right? Maybe you have a mortgage, maybe you have the, you know, get you know, bills that are piled up, maybe you had to reduce your 401k compensation or 401k savings. Uh, others have had reduced pay or early retirement. I've seen a lot of that as well. Clients coming to us because they were forced into some early retirement and you know that's that's not shocking in this environment but there are some things you can do to potentially recover from 2020 and first you have to think short term. Short term would basically figure out how much debt you've racked up and mapping out a plan to get out of that debt starting with obviously the highest debt first, highest interest debt first. Then look at your job prospects. If you're out of work or maybe you had pay cut, maybe you don't have enough to live on, focus on finding something better, right? Early part of the year is actually a good time to look for jobs because new budgets are moved and you know, new positions are opened up at certain companies. And so it's a good time to think about moving companies if you feel you're underappreciated, underpaid, maybe you, you could find other better, better, better opportunities elsewhere. So focus on those immediate needs and finding a solution for them. Maybe it's a second job, whatever it is. Okay? Because before you can improve on your retirement planning, you have to improve on your day-to-day. And that comes number one. Then you can go to number two, which is ramping up your retirement contributions. Probably more of a medium-term goal. right? Finding a time where you can say, okay, I've caught up on my bills, my debt, uh, I'm in a better situation financially, now I need to really start pumping some money into my retirement savings plans, whether that's 401k, 403b, IRA, Roth IRA, SEP IRA, whatever that is, you certainly need to to do that. And if you have an employer that matches, try to make sure you maximize that as soon as possible. And then number, so that's kind of the medium term. Then long term is your asset allocation strategy, right? What's your risk tolerance level? What are your end goals? Uh, And if you're behind, Maybe taking a little more risk, but risk just doesn't mean just throwing it in equities of any kind and just throwing in indices. That doesn't mean that you are taking smart risk. You're just kind of following everybody else. So developing a strategy that makes sense in this market based on the economic trends, uh, the values in the market, etc., that's extremely important. So while this year has been very tough, that doesn't mean that you can't recover from it. We all can. We all can get better. We all can make better decisions. And especially if you have time before retirement, right? You're 10 plus years, you're going to get back to it. It's going to take some time, but you'll be, you'll be there. Now, if you're on the cusp of retirement, you know, maybe it means working a few extra years. Maybe it means downsizing to a smaller uh, dwelling that you may not need a big house. Maybe it's working part-time. I know Prop 19 here in California, it actually makes it easier to downside if you're over the age of 55. 
So that's something to think about as well after February is saying, hey, now I can keep my ta low tax base and I can still downsize. So those are some things to think about as well. Now let's go to Mark in Cincinnati. He wants to talk about inflation. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, no problem. Good, good. You, uh, are you worried about inflation or are you just trying to figure out what's going to happen? Well, I, well, I'm 32 years old and it seems like my whole life, no matter what the political party is, it seems like they tax and then they tax and they spend all the money and then when a, you know, something bad happens, they just print a lot of money. So I was wondering, mm. does that, how much money can the U.S., you know, take on before there's serious, you know, alarm bells going off where we can't print money anymore when we get into this, you know, into, a, into a, an emergency? Well, the ability to print money uh, comes from the people, right? We elect politicians that gave the ability to print money to the Fed and, uh, in the past. You know, it might have been 100 years ago, but the people did that, right? And we have the ability to elect politicians to take that away as well. So, uh, you know, it'll take some political pressure, I think, to, to change that. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to change until we do that, right? There, there's too many embedded interests. Uh, it's too political to allow the economy to disintegrate, and it's much easier to inflate your way out of the debt from an economic perspective. So that's what they're going to do. That's their plan. Uh, and clearly. And so if you just watch what they do. Uh, so they can do it as long as we allow them to. Let's just say that. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed a hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it is official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. 
In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. What a difference a year makes. A pandemic, financial shutdown, and market volatility. You've got finance and investment questions, and Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Now, in the next Invest Talk, a story that offers a lesson in foreign investments. Alibaba shares have plunged again. Chinese regulators are scrutinizing Alibaba for suspected monopolistic behavior. That story coming up tomorrow. But now your questions are always the essential part of the program. So let's get back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank at 888.99 Chart. Hi, I have a question about clothes and funds, and I wanted to know what the pros and cons are as compared to a stock. Also, I was looking into one ticker BSTZ. It's the BlackRock Technology, and they have holdings in Tesla and Shopify and some of the higher price tech stocks. So if you can address that, that would be great. Look forward to it. Love your show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, a closed-end fund is similar to an ETF, uh, except there's not new shares created and destroyed on a daily basis. Uh, there's a number of shares that are put out there, and they kind of they they, they sell free-floating, right? Uh, and there's an NAV net asset value of the underlying assets, and often it can trade at a premium or discount to those. Uh, often it does trade at a discount because of various reasons, liquidity, etc. Um, but you're getting a diversified mix, right? Uh, Tesla is about 3.5% of this portfolio, then Square, Cacao, I don't know what that is, Lavongo, and then Twilio are the top five holdings, making up about 12% of the, of the portfolio. So you're just buying into this mix of securities, the underlying assets, and your, your risk is that it trades at maybe a steeper discount. Right? If you own the actual basket of securities, which you can do that now, right? it's really not that hard. Right, commissions are free. Uh, you're not paying the the cost of the management of the fund, which I'm trying to see what it is here. Let me look at this price. There you go. I'm trying to look this up real quick. Uh, so you're not paying that. So I don't really love the the idea of it, to be honest with you. Uh, you, I'd rather buy an ETF, which is going to trade right at NAV, pretty much. Your total expense ratio for this fund is 1.3%. That's right around what our uh, average client pays, uh, which is uh, actually probably a little less than that, uh, which is we're a full-service broker. 
so I don't know if, or advisor, excuse me, not a broker. Uh, so I don't think that is worth it. Uh, and you could take that portfolio, right, 3% of Tesla, 2% of this, and do it yourself without any commissions. So why would you pay it? Now, sometimes they also have leverage, and if you want some leverage in your portfolio, uh, that's one way to access it, but this has pretty much no leverage on it. So uh, I wouldn't be buying this. I'd rather buy a diversified mix of individual stocks. Let's go to Javin in Descanso. Wants to talk about a Roth conversion. Hi, Justin. Great show. I have a question. Uh, last year, I did a Roth conversion for my wife and I because we made mm -hmm. too much to contribute to one directly. Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking it's not a good idea for me to do it again this year because we're at a thirty percent tax bracket. So would it just be better to do a traditional and then just pay the taxes and only take it out in retirement, assuming we'll be at a lower tax rate at that point? Yeah, that's really the question you have to ask yourself. A lot of people get caught up in the minutia of Roth versus traditional IRA or traditional 401k contributions. And it's really about that tax rate that you're paying, right? When you're putting the money into a Roth, you are uh, paying it at a, at a, you're locking in that rate, right? What you're saying is 30%. That your hope is that, hey, um, it's lower than what it'll be in the future. Right. Whereas right. if you put it in traditional, it's the opposite, saying, hey, I'll, I want to defer it to the future where I think my tax rate will actually be lower. So that's the way you have to think about it. Now, the small caveat to that is you're putting net, net more money into a Roth, right? If you put 6000 in a Roth and 6000 in an IRA, you're actually kind of net, net, you're putting more in that Roth because you've already paid the taxes, right? So that's kind of the, the benefit. You're talking about a Roth conversion there, uh, which is certainly different, doesn't really have that uh, additional contribution characteristic. So it's really just about the tax rate. So that's a question more for, I think, for your CPA to kind of say, you know, what do you think based on our current situation, assets, when we plan to retire, et cetera, uh, you know, what you plan to do in retirement. Uh, do you think you're going to work part-time? Do you think it's just going to live off of, you know, interest and dividend income and Social Security, et cetera? And in that case, you might be in a lower tax bracket. But if you maybe might work part-time, that might change a little bit. So uh, that's the way you want to think about it. Uh, everyone's a little bit different, but it's certainly a 30%. You're kind of in the middle, right? You're not low, you're not high, uh, but where you'll be in the future is going to be most important. And that's a, that's a question you really have to try to ask. You're never going to know for sure, but you're going to have to try to ask, answer that. Uh, uh, that's a great advice. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for the call, Javin. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have about 15 minutes left in the show to get your call in. Now let's touch quickly on the new stimulus bill. And one of the most important factors of the bill is extending the moratorium on evictions to the end of February, the end of February. And the CDC already had pushed it back to January 31st so from the end of this year. But this bill does include about $25 billion in rental assistance. About $200 million is going to go to each state, okay, to... Uh, give to low-income workers if you, it, what it stipulates is that 90% of the money must be used for financial assistance, such as helping families and individuals with past and future rent payments, utility bills, and other housing expenses. And 
this is a, a giant factor that is going to be very, very important going forward. You know, here in California, there's already there's a bill in uh, Assemblyman David Chu, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He introduced a bill that would extend to help keep renters in their homes. And what it's going to do is saying, hey, you still have to pay about 25% of your rent owed, right? Between September and December 31st. And any additional amount over that can't be used as part of an eviction. It'll actually be converted to civil debt, which landlords could try to recoup after 2021, so January 1st, okay? 2022 is when they'll, they'll be able to, to start to try to collect that money. Now, 2 million renter households in California have little to no confidence in their ability to pay next month's rent. So that's really the big issue here. Uh, but when it comes to Fannie and Freddie mortgages, they've actually uh, pushed that out to December of next year. Right? Uh, when to talk about the mortgages. And I think that is a huge factor, not both economically as when these moratoriums end, but also to the housing market in general. That has been a huge contributor to the lack of inventory on the market, right? If you're talking about housing affordability and trying to pull, put a rein on the runaway housing market right now, the fact that there are little to no evictions going on is a big factor in that, right? Typically, there's a decent amount of supply coming on from people that lose their job, uh, fall ill from some sort of medical condition and are no longer to pay, not able to pay, right? So they maybe have to sell their home or downsize. Where right now, they don't have to do that. And so that's going to be a big push of supply coming on market at some point. But what we also know is that the housing market is very political, right? If housing prices go down, that's bad for politics, it's bad optics, right? The majority of people in this country own a home. They own real estate. And what that means is if their, housing, their home value goes down, they're going to be less confident about spending, about the economy, about the financial situation. And so, you know, governments are continuing to kind of go down this road of where it's hard for them to go backwards, right? They've kind of handcuffed themselves to the steering wheel and they kind of have to keep going with stimulus and uh, moratoriums, et cetera. And if this ever stops at some point, that's going to be, instead of a tailwind to the economy or a tailwind to the housing market, it'll become a headwind. So it's certainly something I'm watching in 2022, how much stimulus is out there, what's happening with the eviction moratorium. I'm Justin Klein, you listen to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. As you might assume, the greatest number of our listeners are here in the United States, but we have listeners all over the world. Cambodia, Germany, Czech Republic, Mexico, Greece, Egypt... So Steve and I thank you for downloading Invest Talk and for telling your friends and family members about our free investing and financial podcasts. Please keep the calls, questions, and emails coming. We love them. Remember, our website, investtalk.com, has a great number of resources to help you build 
towards your own particular version of financial freedom. And of course, we welcome your calls at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. That number is 800-557-5461. We would love to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open for you. Give us a call at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial, and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing and the other KPP Financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Paul from St. Helens, Oregon, and I have a couple questions about Bitcoin. Am I correct in that Bitcoin is currently $18,000 a share now? And if I were to invest in Bitcoin, would you recommend mutual funds or ETFs that I may consider? Great show. Thank you. Well, now Bitcoin is up to about 26000 And it's not per share. Bitcoin isn't per share. It's per coin. Right? So that's the, as you call it, the unit of account. I guess you would call it. Yeah. Unit of account. Uh, we price of Bitcoins in dollar terms, 26821 currently. Now, there are different ways to access it, right? Uh, I think PayPal, you can buy it through your PayPal account now. You can uh, open an account at Coinbase. There's a lot of uh, crypto uh, brokers out there. Uh, there are some ETFs. Grayscoil Bitcoin Trust is one that does trade at a premium, but that's something easy to buy in any brokerage account, IRA, etc. Uh, that's a way to access it. There's a lot of ways to access it. Now, what you have to understand is that this is a very speculative asset. Its volatility is very high, and volatility cuts both ways, up and down, as you saw from 2017, I think it was the peak, and then we went down to, what, about 19,000, went down to 3,000 from there, now we're at 26,000, so that's great volatility. And I expect that to continue, right? Because there's no natural use for Bitcoin, currently, except as a speculative vehicle. Now, are there engineers, great minds in the space working on, you know, the lightning net network and things that will allow individuals to transact easier and better using Bitcoin or using Bitcoin as a base layer for something on top of it? Yes. Uh, will we get there eventually? Decades from now? Probably yes. Will Bitcoin be the standard? A year from now, five years from now, 10 years, 20 years from now. I don't know. Right? Will government sit idly by and allow Bitcoin to operate autonomously? I highly doubt it. 
right? There's the recent uh, bill, uh, the Stable Act, that was uh, presented in Congress. And we're entering a time where there's going to be more and more regulation across everything. And I think cryptocurrencies will be part of that, right? They still rely on the banking sector overall. And so, and, and they have to create value in the real world, right? At the end of the day, that's what cryptocurrencies are supposed to do. Their original goal of being this transaction network of independent, of an independent currency kind of has been supplanted by the speculative nature. It's a speculative vehicle currently. And so you have to treat it as such. That's why I say you shouldn't put a large percentage. Well, right now, it'd feel great if you put a large percentage of your portfolio in it three months ago, six months ago, etc. But re the reality is that the gains over the past two or three months could easily be wiped out in less than a month. That's the nature of speculative instruments. Right? There's no natural use case. The dollar, you need dollars to pay taxes. You need dollars to fulfill loan obligations, for example. You don't need Bitcoin for any of that. So there's no natural use case for Bitcoin yet. And so far, it's, right now, it's simply a speculative asset. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. So our work continues after this final break at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys. Hey, Justin and Steve. This is Phil in Washington, D.C. Love you guys. I've learned so much. Um, so I have a question about Tesla. Why it keeps going up when its price to earnings and price to sales is just ludicrous. They just said that they're going to be releasing more stock to build capital. And as you increase supply, the price should go down, but rather it's gone up. It's very strange. Why does this stock trade the way it does? It seems to not follow any of the typical rules, and it seems to be doing so for years now. I've owned Tesla. I've made money in Tesla. I don't own Tesla now because it's just beginning to seem a little bit like the dot-coms. And the same goes for some of these SPACs that I just want to get your take on it, like CIIC and Hennessy Capital, LAZR. All these companies seem super speculative, but yet their stocks rocket up 30, 40, 80% a day at times. And I don't understand what's going on in the electric vehicle space and why this is happening relative to companies with solid income, solid earnings that sit around at the same price all the time. You know, I don't think I'm a completely uneducated investor. I listen to you guys and some other shows, but some of this stuff isn't making sense to me. And should I be worried that the market is going to correct? Love you guys and hope to hear my answer on the show. Bye. Well, uh, I think uh, there's a few factors. And 
one harkens back to the question before the break. It was about uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And you see that that is a very speculative asset. And uh, it's all about the story of decentralized finance. Well, uh, in a lot of ways, many of the names in today's market are skyrocketing higher simply based on the narrative as well, right? That electric vehicles are going to take over the world or, you know, software is going to take over the world. And uh, there's certainly some credence to those stories, right? But uh, when it comes to Tesla and a lot of these names is that the, the promise of the future has, or at least the price, sorry, has far outpaced the promise of the future, both from a sales standpoint, a profit standpoint, right? The car industry is typically a very low margin, low return on investment capital type of business. So uh, even if Tesla is successful, it typically is a very tough business to be consistently profitable in. Just look at the Fords and GMs of the world uh, and uh, just the competitive of the sp competitiveness of the space overall. And there's certainly a lot of uh, competitors that are coming after Tesla as well. So, uh, you know, why is it going higher? Uh, it's certainly just a, a narrative-driven market, A. Uh, B, there's a lot of short-term option purchasing, speculation, which is creating a gamma. If you look on a lot of message boards, just, there's actually a concerted effort to buy short-term options so that the, the big banks have to hedge themselves by buying the underlying security. It's called gamma hedging. So that's part of it. So there's there's a lot of factors uh, that go into it. Why it's gone so dramatic. You know, I, I, three years ago, Tesla was absurdly valued, and now it's 1,000% higher. So, um, you know, it, it really, you're right, doesn't make sense. But it's the market we live in, free money. Now, lastly, I want to get to a, a release that happened this summer that we haven't talked about much, but I do think it is a very important milestone, and it's called the FedNow system. This was announced during a webinar in August, and basically it is a collaborative effort between all this, all the Fed banks, there's, there's uh, 12, and it started in 2013, and it's to create a more efficient and effective and speedy payment system within the United States. And they're working on it, and it's probably going to be rolled out over the next probably three to five years, I would say. Right? They've been working on it for over seven years now. And when and if the FedNet system is operational, it would help with emergencies, right? getting money to people directly. It means instant transfer. Uh, and I think this is the next phase. This is the way that the Fed is going to eventually print money and get it directly into people's pockets. And I think that'll eventually be changed by government. Just not the direction I want it to go. Remember, this is I just think it's going to go. Uh, and it's kind of similar, right? Talking about cryptocurrency and electronic payments and getting it more up to date. This is what the Fed now system is, is being designed to do. And I actually think they will succeed on it and it will be a part of our life a decade from now, probably earlier. Well, that does it for today's show. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return tomorrow with my last live program for 2020. Thursday and New Year's Eve, we have a special all-new Best of Caller Question podcast and a second one on Friday as well, New Year's Day. 
the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived and best talk podcasts for free download over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com. And please be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor.